This is episode 68 of the Kindred Mom podcast. I am your host, Emily Sue Allen. Merry Christmas, everyone. This episode is being released in mid-December. It is the culmination of the Celebrating Motherhood series we have hosted on KindredMom.com these past several months. This episode is a conversation between me, Mary-Kate Brown, Lindsay Cornett, and Robin Chapman as we revisit some of the highlights from this series, essays that spoke to our hearts, ideas that we've been thinking about as a result of the greater conversation on this topic, and more. You'll hear us share some of our Christmas traditions and hopes for the coming weeks as we celebrate the holidays with our families, and we hope that you find some ideas in there that might inspire you as you celebrate the holidays together. I don't know about you, but I find this time of year puts me into a reflective space, looking back on the year I've just lived and also thinking about what comes next. I'm really proud of the work we featured on the Kindred Mom blog this year and extremely grateful for the guests who have been here to share on the podcast. Next week on episode 69, there's a bit of a surprise, so I don't want you to miss that one. I'll tell you a little bit more about it at the end of this show today. And after we ring in the new year, Kindred Mom will be bringing you a new theme, the Peaceful Home series, and we have some surprises in store for that series as well. I wanted to thank you for listening, and please join us over on our private Facebook group if you'd like to connect more with our community. I hope you enjoy the show. These past several months, we have been doing a really lovely series on celebrating motherhood, and today we are going to be wrapping up that series just with some recaps and some commentary on some of the highlights of each of the months. And so we have several members of the team here. We have Robin Chapman, Hello. Lindsay Cornette, and Mary-Kate Brown here to just share uh, what has been sticking with each of them uh, from the past several months. So ladies, welcome. Hi, everybody. Hello, hello. Hey. I'm glad you guys are all here. And I know that when we do these recap episodes, it is a little bit like just an opportunity to pause and reflect and look back on what we have featured on the blog and the guests that we've had on the podcast. And I especially love the recap episodes because at least for me, I feel like this is the first opportunity that I have to really take a breath and see what a beautiful collection of stories have come together um, in the efforts that we put in behind the scenes and the writers who've contributed their writing. And so for me, this is a really special episode to just look back on the series and uh, I would love to know, just off the top of your head, the top things that are sticking with you uh, from any part of the the blog or the podcast or even on Instagram. Well, I was just kind of reflecting on the fact that this series ended with the month all about um, having a humble life and what that looks like for us as moms. And Mm -hmm. that just struck me as being so appropriate because I think when we're talking about celebrating motherhood, there's this possibility that we could spend all our time and energy talking about like the big milestone moments, the birthdays and the holidays and the accomplishments. But as I was reflecting back on the series and all of the essays that people submitted to us, that's not really the moments that most people chose to focus on. Even in when we're talking about, you know, our village and our community, most of the moments that all the writers were recording were just small 
things. And it just struck me how so many of the humble moments of motherhood are really the most meaningful to us. Like those are the times when we are transformed, you know, when we learn and when we grow and when we really connect with our kids in a powerful way. And I kind of needed that reminder. I think especially heading into the holidays when we can kind of get focused on like bigger and better and more colorful and more cozy and more festive, just to remember that so much of what makes motherhood rich and valuable and special is really, really happening in these tiny, small, humble moments. And so I feel really grateful. And I it's maybe just one of those funny coincidences how things work out just the way that they need to. But the fact that we ended the fall on this um, humility note seemed really appropriate to me. I totally agree. I loved that series a lot. And I think for me, in kind of trying to cast the vision for that ahead of time, I was really just thinking about how during the month of November, we oftentimes really focus in on gratitude, which is a beautiful thing to focus on. But um, it's also the humble life and what it looks like to walk in humility and to accept the ordinary beauty of our lives on an everyday basis. Um, to me, it's it's a little bit more raw when we mm-hmm. start breaking into those moments that aren't just, oh, here are all of my highlights and here are all the best mm-hmm. things, um, but some of the hard things that I can still give thanks for, that I can still see the value in. And so I agree with you, Lindsay. It's been a really lovely way to cap our whole motherhood series. Yeah. One of the things that is still sticking with me is um, Lynn's Lynn's essay, it actually wasn't from the Humble Life series. It was from the um, Surprises of Motherhood, Mm -hmm. uh, the one titled This is Nuts. And there's just this very, very raw and ragged description of the anger that comes with motherhood and how wild it feels. Yeah, like so much is out of our control, (laughs) you know? Yeah, so talking talking about the stuff that's that's hard as as well as the stuff that is good and lovely and like the the blueberry and the belly button essay that ran recently mm. um you know like the 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 fun little moments and the really hard ones um i've just i've just really loved hearing everybody's stories yeah i uh totally agree with you robin in that i really appreciated uh teresa phillips essay motherhood is not my jam the beauty mm-hmm. of failure that one <laughs> I really related to because, you know, she talks about her expectations, you know, of being like the perfectionist and then motherhood happens and life happens and you're raising these little people and you're like, why isn't this going the way it was supposed to? And just her real um, humility in sharing, you know, what it looks like in her life with her children to go back and apologize for our mistakes. You know, we're not going to be perfect and we're going to make mistakes, but there's beauty in that and going to our children and saying, hey, you know, I'm not perfect. And I apologize for doing this. I think it's just such a real relatable and also encouraging to me because I'm like, Hey, I'm not the only mom who messes up here sometimes and has to ask my kids to forgive me. And so I just really appreciated, um, just that all that, that was shared, you know, along that same vein. I think that when we're thinking about that overarching idea of celebrating motherhood, you know, it's kind of, 
just a good reminder that it's both the good and the bad that make motherhood worth celebrating, Mm -hmm. that it wouldn't be as meaningful if it was all sunshine and rainbows all the time, right? Mm -hmm. But that when there is that sometimes that struggle and the hard days, those are the things that um, help us really appreciate all the things that make motherhood so beautiful. Yeah, I, I, um, as you were sharing that, like the good days and the hard days, I was really like, really relating to um, Rebecca Wood's essay, Mud and Mirth, where she's talking about her kids, like playing outside and throwing mud. And at first you want to be like, ah, my kids are rolling in mud and I have to like, you know, handle this mess later, but that she was able to see the beauty in the moment and like, just tap into the joy in that moment, you know, looking at like the good and the ugly. Sometimes, you know, when my kids want to get into a hot mess like that, Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to step back and say, okay, like, yes, this is crazy, but look at the joy in it. Look at the fun that they're having. Look at the memories that they're making. And yeah, there was a lot of, um, pictures like that shared, I think, throughout this whole series. Yeah, there's just so many wonderful things that I thought our writers brought to the table this fall. And we kicked off the series originally with an essay in August. It was called We Won't Pass This Way Again. And uh, the Mm -hmm. writing was just Mm -hmm. lovely. But really, the, the closing line is that that we and they, our children, will not pass this way again, that we won't have the moments that we're experiencing now back around again, you know, not with the same kid at least. (laughs) I mean, I know some of us are, you know, on Groundhog Day here with several multiple children, like, okay, we've seen the threes before. So in that way, yes, we we pass by the threes with a new child. um, But I think that um, part of celebrating motherhood for me has been recognizing that the time is fleeting. And I feel that more than ever Mm -hmm. with my oldest daughter being five years from launch out of my house, I'm like, oh my goodness, you know? And I know that I have several girlfriends who they're not there yet. Their kids are, you know, five, six, seven, and that's just a totally different space. But when I think about, I have the number of years that I have fingers on my hand to really press into her and spend time with her and get to know her and invest in her and give her all the skills and information and tools that I want her to have when she goes on with her life. Not that I won't ever see her again, but it will be a very different relationship when she no longer lives in my Mm -hmm. house and is, you know, subject to the same rules as everyone who lives here under my roof. And so just recognizing that it's fleeting and not as a, well, make sure you enjoy it as much as you can before it's gone. Because I think that that admonition that we are given by older moms all the time can feel a little bit heavy. (laughs) Um, I I just have to say in a very real way, I feel like motherhood has become this, this thing that has burst open. And all of a sudden I see that like as the flower blooms and blooms and blooms, like at some point, like the fullness of what I am investing in my children in these years is going to be gone. Like that part is going to be over. And it doesn't mean that there won't be other beautiful seasons ahead or they won't need me in their lives in Mm -hmm. certain ways when they're adults. But goodness, (laughs) I am just very on the edge of my seat with 
these are the days that are full of rich and beautiful memories. And yes, they're full of very hard things that test my patience and provoke my anger and (laughs) all those things as well. But I just think the tension Mm -hmm. of the beauty and the hardship is exactly what we have sought to capture in this series. And so um, I'd love to know what you guys think of when you um, have gone through this series. We've had a a bunch of podcast guests that have been so insightful and more of these essays. If you have a quote or something that has stuck with you, um, it's just, I I just really want to commend the writers, especially who uh, shared their stories with us Mm -hmm. because um, I think that sharing about this season, as common as it might be, it's still very special. It's still very personal to each one of us. And um, the commonality doesn't necessarily take away from the sacredness of our individual experiences. Yeah, that's really beautifully Mm -hmm. said. Um, One other essay that that really stood out to me is, um, was part of the It Takes a Village series. And it was by Bethany McMillan. Mm -hmm. And it was called Our Collective Strength. And as a writer, I really love this essay because I think she just did a really lovely job. But I just also think that the message was really profound and the way she wrote it really just um, stood out to me and, and has mm-hmm. resonated with me and stayed with me. But she's kind of telling this story of sitting down one morning after pancakes on the weekend and um, snuggling up on the couch with her son and watching like a nature documentary. And she's watching this scene unfold where there's this little baby, I think it was a baby buffalo that was being attacked Mm -hmm. by crocodiles. And she just kind of relays this, um, her emotions as she watched the herd of buffalo come back to rescue this little baby. And she then draws the parallel to motherhood. And the quote that I wrote down is just, she wrote, when things get hard, let's bring each other back into the herd. And I think that that's some of what we're trying to do here at Kindred Mom all the time, right? Is is help moms see that they're not alone and that there is a herd of mothers ready to step in when things go awry. And it just reminded me also of the importance of reaching out to my friends, right? To the other moms in my life, whether I can visibly like see their distress, like a little buffalo um, being overtaken or whether I can't, whether it's like a silent Mm -hmm. pain or struggle that they're going through, but to just check in with those people to let them know that they are not alone because she talks about how she, Bethany talks about how she tends to kind of retreat and she just gets kind of caught up in her head when she's having a hard time. But she said, um, my herd or my village knows to hem me back into the herd and surround me with their collective strength. And I just think that's so beautiful and, and such a valuable and important part of motherhood that when it gets too hard or too overwhelming for one of us, um, that the rest of us have an opportunity to step in and surround each other with strength. Totally love that. And it just, to me, segues with Robin's essay from that same month, which was called all the single (laughs) ladies, (laughs) which I just, I love myself a real good, clever title like that. Um, but also just what Robin had to say about welcoming in the single women in her life to her life as a mom to help support her and love on her kids. And I 
don't honestly have very many single friends, which I feel a little bit ashamed about. Um, I think I've just... I just feel sorry for you because <laughs> they're fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they are. And I think that your piece for me was just a little out of left field for that reason because I don't have a lot of single women in my life like that. Um, but I really love that you broadened the scope of what a village looks like, that it's not just moms, not just other moms in our same stage of motherhood, that there really is a broader group of people who often do want to invest in our lives and support what we're doing. And, um, you know, I do have some women who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s who are always encouraging me less in the Mm. like practical, let me come to your house and be your extra hands. But at the same time, for me, your essay just helped to broaden the scope a bit to recognize how we can support each other in all different stages um, with all different personal life experiences. Yeah, I actually really appreciated Mm -hmm. Jenny's essay, Worth the Risk. And, you know, when you were just sharing, Emily, um, just some of Robin's insights from her essay and how people are just willing to come in and surround you and support you in those moments, I was just really touched by her essay, sharing her story of this you know, moment where she thought she was having a stroke and she has children at home, you know, who need to be cared for. And her and her husband are in this moment, like, what do we do? And she just thinks this mom friend of hers and she's like, call her. And, you know, when she's writing about how she just looked at her husband was like, I trust her, call her. And her husband's like, okay. You know, when she comes home from the hospital, things are good. And she was able to just rely on this, rely on this woman. And in her essay, she um, makes the statement where she says, trust galvanizes friendships. And I just Mm -hmm. thought, wow, that's so true. (laughs) Because how many times do we find ourselves in those positions, you know, where it's just like, for me, I'm like, who am I going to call in those moments um, where I might have an emergency or need like a last minute, you know, childcare or whatever it is. And that's just, it's just so important as a mom. And I just felt like Jenny's insights, they were beautiful because it can be really hard to open yourself up to somebody else like that. And to be like, Hey, here's my children. I trust my children with you. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that whole, it takes the village series. Like, you know, I think all of us moms realize we can't do it without, we can't do it without our village. Yeah. Well, and to be a person in the position of need is really hard in our culture, I think. And when, I mean, I feel like we're very quick to tell other people, oh, ask for help if Mm. you need it. And, you know, but then when it comes to being the person who has to do the asking, I've had to ask for help so many times this year. Mm. And it is such a hard hurdle to leap over, especially when you haven't done it a lot. And one of the things Mm. that I've noticed is that the friends that I have sought out who weren't necessarily previously in my inner circle, but have become a very integral part of how we have gotten through this difficult year. Those friendships have only been bolstered and have grown deeper and more meaningful, I think, for both sides of the equation. I mean, I won't speak for the other side, but it just, um, from my perspective, it has only been a blessing, even though at the moment that I have to call someone and say, hey, can you cover, you know, can you watch my kids while I'm at this appointment? I always feel like, oh, I I hate that I have to ask. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when our requests are met with such grace and such generosity of of people's time, especially, um, it just just Mm -hmm. knits my heart (laughs) in love to these women who have 
loved our family in very practical ways this year. Well, I remember one time reaching out to my friend Erica to watch my kids. You know, she's got three. I've got Mm -hmm. three. We both homeschool. (laughs) And I was like, can you watch my kids so I can get my hair done? (laughs) My hair takes like four hours. (laughs) Like, like that's not an emergency situation. But she was like, I'm so happy you asked me. And then when I picked up my kids, they had eaten lunch. They were so happy. She sent me home with like six, like, pounds of organic strawberries she bought at this farmer's market seriously and then like a jar of homemade kimchi and like all this stuff and I felt so loved and I'm like it was not an emergency emergency situation I just wanted my hair done and I got four hours to myself and you sent me home with happy full children and organic strawberries and homemade kimchi like love right there I love you (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah so even in the not so emergent situations it's just it's it's the village is, you know, so necessary. Yeah, well, we're kind of at that funny spot where my oldest is starting to babysit at home some of the time. I just don't feel like, I mean, I feel like if I'm going to an appointment and I know I'm going to be a while, I don't feel like it's fair to ask her to be home with all of her siblings. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, that's, a lot. <laughs> oh, that's not really commensurate with age and experience, you know. So um, I have left her home with fewer number of the other kids that are not the young ones. Um, and she loves that. I think she loves loves the independence, but mm. definitely um, yeah. have just loved the time that my kids have had with friends that they wouldn't normally have had if I didn't have appointments and stuff like that. So just practical yeah. ways to love on other moms, just make some space for how can we help each other and and all that stuff. So And before we go any go too much further, did you was there anything else that you wanted to touch on from the from the season that really stood out to you? I think that the podcast as well was really, it was really special for me this year. I think I felt very, uh, at times I felt really insecure just because of everything that this year has encompassed for me. <laughs> and I feel like I don't, I didn't want to show up to the podcast and say, oh, everything's super fine and we're not struggling at all. And at the same time, just learning how to mm-hmm. be honest about where I've been at without, you know, spilling all my guts (laughs) because you know it's just like that's a tricky line and I I don't want to hide what has been going on but at the same time without the opportunity to tell every detail and all the whole story sometimes it just feels like how do I even go there you know but um, I feel like you guys Mm -hmm. have been extremely gracious I've gotten a lot of encouraging comments um, especially on a piece that I wrote for November there was a lot of really positive feedback about what was a really sensitive subject subject for me. It was um, so but beautiful, the- Emily. Oh, thank Seriously, you. Thank yeah. You. I was just like in tears when I read that. It was so beautiful. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. I just, I, I would love to talk about your favorite podcast episode from this series. Um, for me, I'll just say I, I loved all of them. So great job, everyone who <laughs> listened to the podcast yeah, or was, was on the so podcast good. at that time. But I was especially inspired by Shannon Martin. Um, and one thing that was interesting is I recorded with her and I think we ended up having a conversation after the recording was done because she was telling me a story that then when I went back to edit and put the episode together, I'm looking for this story and like, where did this story go? And I, it wasn't until... I got all the way through that I realized I didn't actually record that part. And that was really sad for me because she had shared the story of just how like when some of the neighbor kids would come to her house, like she opened her fridge to just grab something out of the fridge 
and their eyes got really big and they're like, I've never seen a fridge that full before, you know, and yeah. just she had shared a, a bunch of really, I don't know the right word to describe it, but when she talks about the neighborhood that she's moved into and the love that she has for the people there and the obvious needs, the obvious socioeconomic disparity from where she lived before and um, just that there's a lot of hard stories that happen there. But um, when she was talking about that moment of realization, just a full fridge being something that that response from the neighbor kids just really challenged her at, at seeing how abundant her life really was, even though they had taken to living a little more simply in this new area. And um, so that story for me just has stuck with me because I think for me and my own, I live in a house that's 1,800 square feet. And yes, we have nine people in it. It feels very small for the number of people that live here. And, you know, there's just a lot of things I wish were different about our space, <laughs> quite honestly. But um, since my conversation with her that was the not recorded portion, I just, I really have been looking around to see how full and abundant and extravagantly we are provided for, that we have everything that we need and um, the ideals that I might long for are not necessarily the most important things. Yeah, I think that's really good, Emily. Uh, the other podcast episode that really stood out to me, which kind of relates, which is I'm only now just making that connection. But in episode 62, mm-hmm. um, you interviewed Leslie Werner about her mm-hmm. new book, Invited. And I read that book this fall and I really loved it. And I will just confess that I was skeptical going into it because it's a book about hospitality and Sometimes I feel that books written about hospitality in the Christian (laughs) living sort of genre can get a little bit cheesy or they just don't feel realistic to me. And so I was a little skeptical when I picked up Leslie's book, but it's really not about that at all. And I think that comes through in your conversation with her as well. She really has a Mm -hmm. realistic, you know, perception of what hospitality is can look like when you have small children, some of the obstacles to that. But I just loved her her stories about the different people that she's had the opportunity to welcome, the different lessons that she's learned about hospitality from living in a variety of places. And um, the whole conversation was just really encouraging to me. And much like you're saying about Shannon's episode to Emily, it really reminded me that it's important to open my yeah. doors. And I that's something that I say I value, that I value our relationships with our neighbors and with our friends. And yet I'm not always prioritizing that, that hospitality, you know, just that willingness to open my doors and let things be imperfect. And it's something that I want to be better about moving forward, not out of a sense of guilt and obligation and all of that, but just because it really is something that that is important to me. And these interviews this fall with these awesome women just have reminded me of that in a really valuable yeah. way. And I, I was thinking through the the episodes that I listened to from from this season and <laughs> standard mom I'm like well I remember the last one that I listened to (laughs) which was (laughs) the gift of repetition um and it was it was one that 
uh, Lindsay and I were on and then you interviewed Jen, is it Giles Kemper yeah. or Giles, Giles Kemper? Yeah. I can, I don't know. Giles. Okay. And just, just seeing the, the boring, very repetitive parts of life as so worshipful and the things that like mm-hmm. frame our lives, um, was just it was it was good to listen to both segments of it. It was just really fun for me to hear yeah. and um, stew on for a while. One thing that was really funny for me about that episode, I loved chatting with her, and I love how knowledgeable she is about the more liturgical side of faith expression. I think when we first discussed that topic and we kind of titled it in parentheses, a liturgy of motherhood, that to me was a very abstract thing. And so it was really funny for me when I was asking her questions about how does, you know, liturgy apply to motherhood that she was so specific and she was so literal about Mm -hmm. actual liturgy. Mm -hmm. And not that I expected anything different necessarily or that I was disappointed with what she said. It just kind of caught me off guard and made me laugh a little bit that I really just didn't think about it in in a more concrete way that way. Mm -hmm. And um, I just loved her insights about the prayer of examine and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think about it a lot as like getting up and getting the laundry in and then feeding the babies. Like it's just like really, really mundane stuff that happens every day. Yeah. Yeah. And can we take a moment just to I don't know, acknowledge, speaking of celebrating motherhood, what an awesome powerhouse mom Jen is because she is running this business. She's developing these products and she has really, really little kiddos, three little boys at home. And I personally have learned so much from her and through her Sacred Ordinary Days um, products and website and podcasts that she did. And So she's just someone who I really admire from afar because I've learned so much from her and the fact that she's managed to kind of build this business and shares all of her wisdom so freely with so many of us on the internet. I just feel like she deserves a big pat on the back or a round of applause or something for all of that. Yes, she is awesome. And I just love how she seems to have a real pulse on how to be really efficient as a businesswoman and also um, just protect the sacred things of home that matter to her. And I really appreciated hearing about her experience and her value for those things. Well, as we wrap up the rest of this episode, I'd love to talk a little bit about the holidays and what they look like in your homes, because I know that, at least for me, I'm really curious about the traditions and the things that families around me are experiencing and doing together for the month of December, especially to celebrate Advent or look ahead to Christmas. And we don't have an especially liturgical background or anything. So for me, none of our family stuff is very formal. Um, but I, like I said earlier in the show, I really feel this sense of my time is limited with my oldest and just really wanting our holidays to be full of memories and full of meaningful stuff. And so I'm just curious what you guys have planned for this coming month and, uh, what, is really special to your family when it comes to celebrating Christmas. Well, I married into a family with a whole slew of Christmas traditions. Yeah. My husband is basically Buddy the Elf, and he comes by it naturally <laughs> because his mom is the same way. And so Christmas is always lots of fun, but it's a little bit different for us because we moved away mm-hmm. from all of our family. We're and. 
out of my husband's um, siblings, we are the only people that have moved away. Actually, my sisters too, both still live near my parents. So things are a little different for for us. Living far away from all of our family has pros and cons. You know, the cons are that we miss some of the festivities and the traditions. Um, we have to we travel most Christmases, so we're not in our own house on Christmas morning. We have to spend some of our Christmas budget on airline tickets and things like that. Um, but it also has its pros. I think it forces us to, you know, kind of take advantage of the time that we do have when we're at home because we know like some of our time is going to be cut short because we're going to go out of town. Um, and we also, I think it's maybe a little bit easier for us to be running at a slower pace in the holidays because we don't have a whole ton of family around, you know, wanting us to show up to all their parties and festivities and things like that. So, um, you know, pros and cons to kind of being on our own up here. We really prioritize decorating Mm -hmm. our house because that's something that's fun for both my husband and I. We prioritize Christmas music. It's always playing. Evan loves to watch Christmas movies almost every night this time of year. (laughs) Um, I've got a giant stack of Christmas picture books. So those things are all really important to us. But like, that's kind of it. I don't worry about going to see Santa. I don't don't bake a lot of cookies. We don't host a big party or anything like that. So if those things happen, that's great. But I don't care if they don't. I sort of, I know myself well enough to know that I have limited limited energy. Buying Christmas gifts takes up a lot of my mental and emotional mm-hmm. capacity. That's like, I don't need a lot of other stuff happening. So that's kind of the the general approach. We do an Advent wreath. That's kind of new in the past few years for us, but I love it so much. And I just think it's such an awesome tradition to do with young kids because it can be as quick as literally just lighting a candle and saying, okay, guys, this is the first Sunday of Advent and then moving on with your meal or bedtime or whatever. Or if your kids have longer attention spans, then you can make time for Bible readings or for discussion or for prayer. And I just think it's a really tangible example, right? The kids get it. They see that like, oh, this week we only get to light one candle, but as we get closer to Christmas, we will light more, which is helpful for toddlers for whom, you know, the passage of time is like this crazy um, amorphous thing. So we really love our Advent wreath tradition. Until um, Christmas. <laughs> yes, I know. How will we wait? Yeah. We can't wait. So, so I, we really like that. And that's kind of one of our only, I'm not great at routines guys and habits and things like that. It's a miracle if I even <laughs> take a vitamin every day. So, um, the Advent wreath is, is, is a doable Christmas thing for us. Yeah. I think our family relates because we're the same. We really like decorating together as a family and just kind of getting into the Christmas spirit with the Christmas music and whatnot. But we have very few like just special traditions, I guess, that we hold. And um, I don't think it's a bad thing because it just doesn't feel overwhelming um, for me, at least. So like one of the one of the things that we like to do during the Christmas season is we have 
a bunch of like Christmas picture books for the kids and I pack them up all year long and only bring them out in the Christmas season. And so at nighttime before bed, we often, each kid will pick um, a book and we'll read together. We normally read together as a family at night. And so it's just really fun to like pull out these holiday books and read. And then we also um, have one that I actually got when I was younger and it's a holiday book mm. full of Christmas carols and Christmas hymns. And so we've started singing together um, from there at night. And it's super fun because um, my husband and I obviously probably know most of the Christmas carols, but our kids mm. don't really know them yet because they're little. They're three, five, and seven. And so it's been fun teaching them these traditional Christmas songs and singing them together at night as a family. And so those, like, we've always like, we'll started doing that in the past several years. And then we also, um, do gingerbread houses. And so, um, it's like a really big deal because I used to bake and decorate cakes. And so I had like all the things. And, um, I didn't know that. I, I did. I did that from home for many years. And then, um, my doctor told me I was intolerant to gluten and yeast and wheat, and that <laughs> I don't do it anymore. Um, hopefully, one day I master the gluten-free <laughs> yeah. baking thing. But I still will make like a structural gingerbreads. Like I don't know if you knew this, but there's gingerbread that you make mm-hmm. to eat, and then there's gingerbread you make to build a house. And so we do that. And um, so that's the girls- why the ones in the box at Costco taste so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we do because that's just easy for me and I have too many kids. It's all good. Yeah. It, it's so fun though. They um they really look forward to it and we really enjoy doing that. And like it's fun to be able to build a couple of houses so that like my husband and I can work on one and make it really beautiful and pretty and then just let the kids do whatever they want. Yeah. So we'll have a good time. And Aside from Christmas, um, going into New Year's, our family has started doing this each year, and I think it's a brilliant idea, so I'm really excited to share it with you guys. But um, on New Year's Eve, we had started, since we became parents, getting together with other friends of ours who are parents, Mm -hmm. and we do family sleepovers. Um, So our family's not really big on sleepovers in general, but we are really big on family sleepovers, and so... We'll get together, whether it's with like our brother and sister-in-law, if they're in town, um, they live in the Netherlands. So if they happen to be in town for the holidays, we'll get together with them or just other homeschool families that we're really close with. And we'll go to someone's house and we do like a big appetizer dinner. So we just make a bunch of different fancy appetizers and the kids play and go crazy and have a blast. And we do let them stay up till midnight. And then we all spend the night. And then the next day we have like a nice big breakfast together. And it has been so much fun because the kids have a blast. The parents have a blast. No one's paying like an arm and a leg for childcare on New Year's Eve. Mm -hmm. And then we just sleep in and have a really chill day on New Year's Day. So our family has so enjoyed doing that with our um, friends. (laughs) I have to steal that. My, I I recommend it. (laughs) My, my, Holiday season looks a little bit different than um, it sounds like you guys' do. My husband is tech director at church. Um, and so he just he spends a lot of time there and he spends a little bit extra around Christmas. And like so we used to do I, I used to love going to the New Year's Eve candlelight ceremony, of which there are three. But 
he's there the whole time um, and not able to be with me with my four children with open flames. And on the way out, I like high fived him. I'm like another year. We didn't burn the church down. Um, so it's like just Christmas. I like, I love, I love the holiday, but as far as like the family tradition part, I am hanging on by a thread and there's some family drama stuff that's mm. going on that makes the whole like holiday meal thing a little complicated. Although between you and me and our podcast listeners, I think it's probably just going to be, we're just going to have us at our house, I think is maybe the plan. Mm. Um, despite the options of many family members around, I think we're just going to chill. But mm. so there's just, there's just a lot going on and I don't, it's, it's hard and I don't have a lot of, um, I don't have a lot of energy to do all the things and to like, I, I tend to outsource messes anyway. So like gingerbread house making and stuff like my sister-in-law wants to make gingerbread houses with the kids. That's cool. She can do that. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So what I have tended to do, and this sounds super selfish, but what I, what I have been doing is sort of prioritized like m my personal holiday traditions and a lot of that seeps out to the kids like mm -hmm. some real minimal decorations I love the the lights on the tree and like the kids can decorate the tree they love doing that that's cool we haven't done it yet but um but it'll happen um and I love just sitting with the lights mm -hmm. um I found a um instrumental uh christmas playlist um that we can put in the the show notes just you know anything on spotify um and mm. i'll listen to that and it's very calming um i just i tend to think of things as um you know like what's what's their what's their cost as far as energy goes and what's yeah. their impact and if it's if it's high cost and low impact it is off the list. So that's, <laughs> that's just smart. So, that's just yeah. smart, Robin. Yeah. So we 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 cling to a couple wow. of traditions, um, and and mostly I work on preparing my own heart for for the birth of Christ, and a lot of that spills out on the kids as we yeah. move towards Christmas. One thing I do that I feel like has been pretty genius um, is since the kids, since my oldest was small, we've put um, like kind of novel snack foods in their in the stockings and then we don't have a bunch of trinkety toys this year they're getting gloves too don't yeah. tell them um <laughs> they, all, they all need winter gloves but um but i, I feel their their socks i'll get like a teeny tiny can of root beer for each of them you know like stuff that yeah. they don't usually get yeah. and yeah like special, special stuff and then yeah. that's what they eat so we have we have breakfast and then we do our do our stockings and then we do the gifts and then for lunch like but but that's about lunchtime is once all the gifts are done <laughs> they eat the food that was in their stocking and then all the stocking stuff is <laughs> finished and I don't have to feed them lunch and it's fantastic <laughs> so brilliant how about you Em? yeah so I mean 
I think that most holidays, especially birthdays, which is not what we're talking about right now, but I will say birthdays are above Christmas as far as stress level for me, but kind of all Mm. of the holidays, I have always Mm. felt like, oh my gosh, there's all this pressure. I've got to make sure everything is just right and just so. And my husband said something to me a couple of weeks ago where he said, like, you're always saying you want to make all these memories with the kids, you know, and then I I suggest let's do this. And you're like, no, let's not do that. I'm just like, he's like, I'm over here trying to make the memories, you know, and he really is the person that pushes our stuff forward because I just get lost in the weeds of how I want it to be just a certain way or I don't know, like I overthink things. But uh, a couple of things that I'm excited about is we just we are in a rental property that we've lived in for 10 years, which is not totally normal, but here we are. And so we've been using the same oven for all that time, of course, because that would be reasonable, but it's been, it's really old. It just has not worked well for quite a while. It, it has worked technically, but like the, the, I don't know, temperature regulator, however that works. I don't even know what I'm talking about. So I probably sound like a total dweeb right now. It just like, it ran super hot. So it burned everything. Like even if I was watching it, even, you know, if we tried to make a cake or tried to bake anything, it just never went very well. So at one point we bought like this toaster oven thing that we have baked some things in, but even that is not you don't bake a cake in one of those things, you know, like, um, anyway, it just got replaced. We have a brand new oven stovetop range thing that I, it's like totally the, the basement bargain, you know, Mm. it's not expensive or anything, but just the fact that it works and it works properly. I am so excited to do some Christmas baking because we just have mostly not done that for the last (laughs) five years. Um, because it's just always like, everything's just going to be like half burned (laughs) And, and, I don't know. So that's just a funny, um, we do lots of food things. Food is like the, what gathers us, what gets us excited. I love that the kids are all now really involved in the process. Like my son has already baked a batch of sugar cookies that he frosted himself. And he's just so excited to do more stuff like that. I think for this year myself, I'm just trying to not get into that pressurized feeling of like I need to produce memories for these kids, but that we can, you know, intentionally do some things together that we will all enjoy. And I just don't have to be responsible to make sure it's extra super fun because I'm just not that fun. (laughs) I need to let my husband do (laughs) the things that are fun and just join in and enjoy myself alongside them. So, you know, when I think about it, I don't think like, our moms stressed about like our moms didn't have Pinterest and they didn't have Instagram and I'm not bashing those things. I love me some Instagram and I love Pinterest, but they didn't feel the pressure. I think we feel, but like I still have fun memories. (laughs) We still, we still did the fun things and everything else. And so, yeah, I, I, I hear you on that. Just like feeling the pressure, you know, um, like seeing everybody's fun little things, but at the same time, like, it'll be fun. Like when our kids are adults to hear about yeah. what they remember. Um, cause I know mm-hmm. like when we mm-hmm. gather for family holidays, like my husband and I, when we're with his parents or whatever, and we talk about, you know, they'll be sharing about like, do you remember this or this year when this happened? And we always laugh and have such great times. It's just funny to think about like, huh, like that's what, that's what we remember when we were kids. I wonder what our kids are going to remember and be talking to us about, you know, in 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's just kind of my commitment this year is that I will not be stressed. And if something is stressing me out, I will 
pass it off to someone else or we just won't do it. So, <laughs> Good one. And yeah. Yeah. And I did want to say um, coming up on the next episode of the podcast, we have a special exciting thing. Um, my husband is going to be on with me for a Q&A, which is a little bit out of left field, That's but awesome. I am excited to Yay. just um, share that conversation. <laughs> we already recorded it, so I already am kind of giggling to myself <laughs> about what's going, uh, but it's going to be great. So it's a little Merry Christmas from the Allens. Um, I'm 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 kind of on pins and needles to hear it. Like the fact that it's been recorded yeah. and I haven't heard it is making me just a little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think what's funny, and we didn't mention this in the recording of it, but um, in planning the episode, it was just funny because um, just realizing that even though he's not a mom and even though he's not been on the podcast and all that stuff, that he is kind of the invisible kindred mom or the kindred mom <laughs> that funds kindred mom <laughs> because yes. he has made all of the technical stuff happen for this podcast to be mm-hmm. what it is and has wholeheartedly supported me in the time that it takes for me to do the editing and do the recording and stuff like that. So it's just kind of a special thing for him to be involved in a small way. Mm-hmm. And I do think it will give you all um, a different view into my world because uh, he's just a funny guy and really enjoyable so can't wait i'm excited awesome well thank you ladies so much for sharing um what you loved about this past series um i also just want to give a tiny plug we'll bring some new episodes in january on our new series which is going to be about Mm -hmm. cultivating a peaceful home Um, peaceful living spaces is what we're talking about in january specifically but we have some more in february just about peaceful family relationships and um then in march it will be um kind of soul care and peace within ourselves and so I'm really looking forward to that I think because uh, so many people are looking for peace and how to accomplish peace in the chaotic motherhood years so just would love to invite our listeners back in January for that and um, and please come join us on our Facebook group because all of these ladies who you've been hearing from today we are there and we would love to talk with you and answer your questions or hear about your stories um, just really love the women who choose to participate in our community so i'll put a link to that in the show notes and ladies i hope you have a wonderful holiday season with your families same to you too emily